welcome to the X Party. I am Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka who is somebody who is joining me on the last official episode of the X Report before the end of 2023. I know this is a loaded question, but Ethan, how was this year for you? Oh, uh, I mean, it was good. Had a oh, have a son, one years old. Uh, family's been doing good, so I would say it's been a good year overall. That's good. Um, my year has been crazy stressful, and I'm ready for it to be over. Not to say there hasn't been good points. Obviously, there were some. Like, my position with the Colts has been really dope. But overall, it has been a roller coaster. So, low-key, 2023 cannot end soon enough for me. But before this year ends, we got to come at you with a new episode. Obviously, we're going to talk about my brother-in-law and the subsequent benching that is taking place with him and the Denver Broncos and all the drama that has come out this week about it because Lord knows it's been a lot. We're also going to talk about the rumored uh, frustration of Kevin Durant with the Phoenix Suns and if we act one, if we actually believe that it exists and two, whether or not he's more of a problem or Phoenix has more to do with the blame. And then kind of close things out uh, talking about Evan Turner's comments that Giannis Antetokounmpo is not a top five player in the NBA right now. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get things started with our college football player spotlight. So last week we talked about the Chicago Bears and what they should do with the first overall pick. But now there's another team that's picking in the top three that is in a bit of a flux, and that is the Washington Commanders. Following their loss um, against the uh, New York Jets, they now hold the third overall pick. And after a piss-poor performance through most of the game, uh, second-year quarterback Sam Howell was benched in favor of veteran Jacoby Brissett. Now, for a while, it seemed like the Commanders really did have their quarterback of the future and seemed pretty confident in him. But now it seems that confidence is starting to waver. So... Like I said, they have the third overall pick if the draft was to happen today. What do you think they should do? Do you think they should stick with Howell in 2024, or should they use their high draft pick to move on? Mm, I think they should stick with Howell because he, yes, he struggled as of late, but he wasn't. He hasn't been bad all season. And I think that, like, they still have pieces around like, they have Terry Moore, they have, um, shoot, what's the other receivers? Oh, uh, Jahan Dotson. Yeah, Jahan Dotson. Like, they have weapons, they have some running backs. Um, I think everybody's always super cool to say, like, hey, let's jump to the next quarterback. Um, but it's like, this is his first full year starting. So I think they should stick with him, maybe try to improve in other positions, maybe. They got rid of all their edge rushers on defense, so maybe try to improve their edge rush, or maybe try to improve their O-liner. I don't think it's worth making that jump because it's a, in my opinion, it's other teams that are like more QB needy than the Commanders. I would agree with that, um, especially like looking at just how bad the offensive line is. No matter who you draft, unless you actually spend resources to fix that offensive line and actually get people consistently blocked, 
you're going to end up being screwed, whoever that quarterback is. And so I'm, I'm with you. I think that Sam Howell has shown some flashes of doing some really good things. And, I mean, it's not just him. Unfortunately, the offensive line has been bad. The run game has kind of struggled since Brian Robinson's been hurt. And, I mean, it's not like their defense is actually stopping anybody. Um, but so I think that the Washington commanders would probably be better off like using their resources to kind of build around him. And then if we're having this same conversation next year and they have a draft pick, go ahead and move on. But if not, I don't really think it's worth it. But all right, let's go ahead and take a look back at week 16 around the NFL. Uh, starting off with the Thursday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and New Orleans Saints. Rams came out on top 30-22. to 22. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers got their groove back, defeating the Cincinnati Bengals 34-11. to 11. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers fall to the Buffalo Bills in a close one, 24-22. Lions edge out the Minnesota Vikings, 30-24. The Denver Broncos fall in a heartbreaker to the New England Patriots, 26-23. Seattle Seahawks narrowly escape the Tennessee Titans, 20-17. Falcons run all over the Indianapolis Colts, 29-10. Amari Cooper makes history in the Cleveland Browns' 36-22 win over the Houston Texans. Uh, Green Bay Packers survive the Carolina Panthers, 33-30. The New York Jets, another close one, defeat the Washington Commanders, 30-28. Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat up on the Jacksonville Jaguars, 30-12. Arizona Cardinals fall to the Chicago Bears, 27-16. Miami Dolphins win a close one against the Dallas Cowboys, 22-20. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders get their biggest win of the season, taking down the Chiefs 20 to 14. The New York Jets, I mean, New York Giants, I'm sorry, give the Philadelphia Eagles a fight, but still end up falling 33 to 25. And on Christmas night, my Baltimore Ravens get their statement win, defeating the San Francisco 49ers 33 to 19. I had a bad week of predictions. I went 7 and 9. Ethan. You went 11-5. and five. And now let's look at some injuries. Unfortunately, there are some tough ones, starting with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, veteran tight end TJ Hawkinson is done for the year after suffering an ACL and MCL sprain. I mean, MCL tear, I'm sorry, which is a major blow. All right, let's go ahead and talk t- top takeaways of the week. You can start. Top takeaways, number three. This week, Antonio Pierce solidified his case to be the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Um, going into this game, granted, I know the Chiefs haven't looked like the Chiefs of recent um, lately, but it's the Raiders. And every year, you look up, and it's like, oh, the Raiders might finally make these big moves to beat the Chiefs in the, um, in the divisional game. And every year, in recent years, the Chiefs always found a way to win, and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were the catalyst of it. This was the year when they finally, like, solidified their position of, like, hey, we might not be the best team in the division, but we're, like, competitive, and we're not going to give up. And I think that that solidifies the fact that he should get the head coaching job of the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it like unbelievable buffoonery, but in short, I totally agree with you. Um, three number for me is I know that CJ Stroud is probably going to win offensive rookie of the year, especially if he can find a way to get the Texans into the playoffs. But right now my vote would be Puka Nakua. Like Puka Nakua is a bad, bad man. And I mean, especially considering he's a guy who I believe was a fifth round pick, not much hype. I, 
I'm sorry, not much hype surrounding him coming out of BYU, and he's just done nothing but put forth one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen in a while. I mean, he just had a big game against the New Orleans Saints, which I'll get to shortly. Um, And also, I mean, he's just been a baller. And I mean, you think, especially you would think that when Cooper Cup came back, he would kind of slow down his pace, but he absolutely hasn't done that. Has over 1,300 receiving yards, five touchdowns. I mean, he's been a bad man, bad man. Yeah, um, number two for me is, man, whatever Joe Flacco was doing in his time away from football, he must have been just, like, sleeping in the foundation. Because ever since he's come back um, for the Browns, which is weird to say, and I also still don't like it because it's the Browns, but he's been amazing. And it's so weird that now they're going to be in the playoffs because of Joe Flacco. Yep. Uh, my number two is it also speaks to the AFC North. I don't want to hear any Lamar Jackson MVP hype or Ravens hype. Not because the team and Lamar don't deserve it, but because I don't think, and I could be wrong, and, but it feels like there is no player in the NFL who when they have a bad game gets clowned more than Lamar. It's like people are just dying for him to have a bad game. And so when he has those big games and he has those magician-like, Houdini-like performances, everybody is so quick to be like, oh, my gosh, Lamar is amazing. Lamar should be MVP. Lamar is this. Lamar is that. But let's say he has a bad game this week against the Dolphins. Oh, well, Lamar is going to hold Baltimore back. Lamar is just a running quarterback. Lamar can't do this. Lamar can't do that. And even with Baltimore, just on the whole, like there was so much talk about us not even making the playoffs and we're not even going to be that good. Well, look at us now. And I don't want to hear it. And so just keep that same energy of Lamar's a running back or the Ravens aren't that good. We would get our butts kicked. Or in the words of Mike Florio, who said we we're going to get uh, the shit kicked out of us by the 49ers, keep that same energy. I don't want all this fake praise. Yeah, that was crazy when he said that. Yeah. Because like, again, you know, I rock, I rock with Lamar too. Like, Lamar's my favorite QB in the NFL. Um... So it's like for them, like a dude that's getting paid in the media to say that, like it's different if it's like me or you talking to each other. But like you're you're somebody that's on national TV that gets paid to talk about sports, and you go out of your way to say that that's insane. Yeah, like um, so disrespectful. <laughs> and like, yeah. did you see what Lamar said after? Yeah, like bro, you never played a down of football in your life. You're not suiting up. Like, you don't have the right to say that. No. No. Um, for me, my number one is, man, I think they, Derrick Henry, they in Tennessee are number. Um, I had hope thinking that, like, they might be able to convince them to sign, like, maybe sign a two-year deal and get, like, get the most out of them. But I just, I don't like watching their performance. And granted, I wasn't expecting them to win that game. I I think he's probably going to go to greener pastures and maybe go to a playoff contender, which rightfully so, I think he should. But it's it's a sad day to think that he might not be in Nashville anymore. Yeah, I mean, he's been just such a staple for that franchise. It's going to be weird, like, if the Titans rolled out the, the I can't even talk rolled out the team next season and twenty two isn't Derrick Henry that'd be very very weird but 
I mean, I would understand. Like, you know, running backs, their shelves lives are relatively short. And, I mean, it's clear he's kind of ending his, like, his peak days. So, why not go to a team that's going to be a contender? So, I would understand. Uh, my number one is Russell Wilson's situation is another reason why quarterback is the hardest position to play in sports. Not even just specifically talking about the on-the-field stuff. But if anything goes wrong, who do you blame on a football team? The quarterback. The quarterback is going to get it. Regardless of if your touchdown to interception ratio is one of the best. Regardless of if you led your team to six wins in nine games, none of that matters. If a coach doesn't rock with you or if things are going wrong, if the offensive line isn't blocking, if the receivers are dropping balls, who's going to get blamed? Who's going to be in the media? Russell Wilson, a.k.a. the quarterback. And it's it's a messed up situation. Like I said, we'll talk about it more later. But this situation really showed me, like, as a quarterback – you could do everything it right and still be asked out. It's crazy. Um, but on a positive note, let's go ahead and talk our most impressive players of the week. Uh, starting offensively, who you got? Um, most impressive players of the week. I'm going with Lamar. I know you just said like you don't want the fake praise. Lamar don't get fake praise to me. Yeah. He went to arguably, in my opinion, what's probably going to be the preview of the Super Bowl is. Both teams are able to stay healthy and play to the level that they've been playing. And he showed people why he is like that guy. Yeah, that was a great game. You know, everybody knows my feelings about the Browns. But I can't be that much of a hater and not give props to Amari Cooper. 11 catch for 265 and two touchdowns. Like, the Texans' defense, I know, especially their secondary, they've had some struggles but I ain't think it'd be struggles to the point where Amari Cooper has over 250 yards against them. Like, regardless of who it was, it's impressive. But it's like, come on now, Texas. I know D'Amico Ryans was pissed in that locker room. Uh, but all right, defensive player who you're most impressed by? appreciate that um I could go the whole defense I'm gonna specifically go Kyle Hamilton more so because of the play I'm sure y'all have seen but when he got chop blocked and got up and still got the pick that's a hustle play if I've ever seen one like coaches need to show that to their players like during film study and be like hey that's how hard I want you to go for this ball but I mean Kyle Hamilton's had an amazing year and I know we've kind of talked about him on a bit on the show but now performances like this past uh Christmas is what is making everybody like oh no Kyle Hamilton's a bad dude like he's been I wouldn't say he's been our best defensive player this season but at worst he's been like top two or three he's he's been remarkable all right who's your rookie of the week Rookie of the week, uh, shoot, I haven't, I ain't really keep over rookie performances this week. You want me? Let you. All right, I'm going Puka. Um, he had what nine catches for 164 yards and a touchdown, just just balling out of control as he's been doing. Uh, who's your most disappointing player of the week? Because we might, well, we might have the same person, but I'm not sure. Brock Purdy. I I almost went Brock, 
but I'm not going to. I'm going to more so say Trevor Lawrence because no disrespect to the Bucks defense, but with, against a defense like Baltimore's, you kind of expect a bad performance. But Trevor Lawrence went up against the Bucks defense who, especially in their secondary, have struggled. And more importantly, they haven't really been able to get a lot of pressure. And you can make an argument that Trevor Lawrence shouldn't have played anyway considering his injuries, which is totally fair. But at the end of the day, he still played. Had a pick. He had a fumble. I'm sorry, he had one pass touchdown, two picks, lost a fumble, only threw for 211 yards. His play was detrimental enough to at one point they were in a 30 to nothing hole. Like, I know it's not all on uh, Trevor Lawrence, the reason why the Jags lost, but he definitely did not help them win. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, NFL playoff picture. So if the playoffs were to start right now, here are the matchups. The Baltimore Ravens still hold on to the number one overall seed. That could potentially change. Hope it doesn't. Um, right now, it will be number two seed Miami Dolphins versus the Indianapolis Colts. Number three seed Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills. Number four seed Jacksonville Jaguars versus the number five seed Cleveland Browns. Of the seeds two, three, and four, okay, Dolphins, Chiefs, and Jags, who are you most worried about getting upset in the wild card round? Dolphins, Chiefs, and Jags. Honestly, right now I'm gonna say the Chiefs. Uh, they they don't look cohesive at all. Like this has been what three, two, three, maybe four back to back weeks of like you're seeing Patrick Mahomes having outbursts on the sideline because he's so frustrated. You see Travis Kelsey bounce his helmet off the ground like a basketball because he's frustrated. And their offense doesn't look like they can produce and they're relying on their defense and they can only, like, you can only do that for so long without your offense producing points. So I got to say the Chiefs. I I feel that. I'll say this. I think that the Jags are going to get better. But, I mean, the playoffs going to start in two weeks. So it's like how much better are they actually going to get? And just right now, I don't trust their offense. And while I still have some questions about the Browns' offense overall, and granted, Joe Flacco's been playing very well, been their best quarterback this season, bar none, I, I just look at it like, if this Jags offense continues to play at this stagnant pace against a defense like the Browns, which is at worst top five in the league, I just don't see it going well, especially considering what how that offense looked the last time they played the Browns. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NFC. Same question. Um, number one seed right now is still the San Francisco 49ers. It will be the number two seed Philadelphia Eagles versus the Seattle Seahawks. Number three seed Detroit Lions versus the Los Angeles Rams. And number four seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys. Same question between Philly, Detroit, uh, and Tampa. Which of those teams do you think is most likely to be upset in the wild card round? It's tough because I wanna I wanna say I, it's between Detroit and Tampa. Like I could equally see both of them getting upset, but I'm gonna say Tampa more because like their defense isn't that great, and the Cowboys have feasted on not great defenses. Um, yeah, not last week. Yeah, not last week, but as the season overall. I'll 
say they kind of feasting on not so great defenses. Um, and I think that like you know. I just think that they are running to the Cowboys and the Cowboys. Michael Parsons will have a good game, and Dak will have like a decent game. And they could just take, they could end up winning it. Um, <clears throat> uh, because you said um, Tampa, I'll go Detroit. I mean, you want to talk about defenses? I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is amazing. We've seen it. We know it. But it seems like everybody else around is just kind of there. And so if he's not providing much of a pass rush, it's not much help like, coming on the other side of the defensive line. The secondary has been so-so, same for linebackers. And this Rams offense is very potent. We've seen that they can score against some of the top defenses in the league, whether it be Baltimore, whether it be San Francisco, whether it be uh, Cleveland. They've been able to put up points against just about anybody. And I think that that Lions game could wind up being a shootout. And it really could just come down to who has the better kicker on that day. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some suspension news, starting with the Packers cornerback Jair Alexander being suspended for this weekend's game uh, for conduct deemed detrimental to the team. For those of you who don't know, (laughs) he's not a captain, uh, but when it was time for the coin toss before last weekend's game against the Panthers, he came out and nearly made a costly decision on the coin toss, and thus he is suspended. I know there have been some dumb, like, crazy suspensions these days, but, like, for you, where does this rank in terms of, like, the wildest reasons people can't play a game? Man, really, I think it's num- it's, if it's not number one, it's, like, number two. <clears throat> because it's, like, if you knew you weren't a captain, why did you go out there? Why did your teammates let you go out there? Because they know you're not a captain. And why did they also let you make the call? Like it's yeah, it's wild to um, it's wild to think about this. Yeah, like and it was funny. Like, did you see the video of him talking about it? Yeah, it, that just made it worse to me. Like him explaining it, like nothing was wrong, and I don't know if I would necessarily suspend him. But if I'm a coach, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I might be like, bro, why'd you do something so stupid? You might be mad at me, but it's just like that was so dumb. Like, there was no reason to do that. So, I got a good laugh out of that. Um, all right, moving on to some other uh, roster moves. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals cut second-year cornerback Marco Wilson. The Chargers released defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day in kind of a surprising move, but he didn't sit in the employment line for long as he was quickly picked up by the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos waived safety Kareem Hunt, who the Texans claimed off of waivers. Speaking of the Broncos, we got to talk about Russell Wilson. So this past Wednesday, it came out that the team had decided to bench Russell Wilson for the time, final two regular season games. Um, and the initial report said that they were doing so as a way to save money because had he gotten hurt, it would um, enact a $37 million fully guaranteed injury clause in his contract. Kind of foul, but, you know, you let it ride. Then more information came out, um, reported by ESPN's Diane and Rossini. 
Reportedly, uh, the Broncos had reached out to Wilson's representative in late October and explained that Wilson would lose his starting job and be made inactive for the rest of the season if he did not defer his injury guarantee trigger date that he had for 2025. She added, Wilson's $37 million in injury guarantees for 2025 would have become guaranteed on the fifth day of the 2024 league year. Obviously, you're not, you can't just threaten a player like that. And so lawyers got involved as well as the NFLPA and no changes were made to his contract. It was explained the Broncos never told Wilson if or when they would bench him this season, but he just played until then, which like I said, the news came out this past Wednesday. So just initially hearing this different circumstances of Russ's benching, what were your thoughts? I thought it was incredibly petty and like it made no sense because you're you're benching a man for non-football reasons like to me I get you want to save money yada 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 but it's like it just was completely out of left field and it made no sense because I don't think I I personally don't ever remember a situation like this coming up I'm pretty sure it's ass like, I just haven't remembered it. So, when I first saw it, and I saw it before all the extra stuff came out, and they were saying the benching and saving money, it was like, because like, I sent it to you, and I was like, I hate it for him, but I understand. Like, if you already know you're not keeping Russ, I understand being ready to move on. That's one thing, and just, like, trying to see what you have and then going from there. But when you're threatening to bench him and make him inactive if he doesn't change his contract, that's the problem. And that's sick because it's like y'all are the ones who gave him this money to be a, to begin with. It's one thing if you ask him to restructure his deal, but to take out a guarantee and then threaten not to play him is sick. And that's why it's like I, I understand more and more like why players are so frustrated with teams and why players are just so much advocates of getting their money when they can because at the end of the day, these teams are not going to be loyal to you. They are looking out for themselves. And again, I'm not going to sit up here and say Russ was perfect this season, but if this was Russ of last season, I'd be like, okay, I get him getting benched. He's having a bad year. But this year, Russ has actually been pretty solid. He, like I mentioned earlier, like he has one of the best touchdown to interception ratios in the league. He's led the Broncos on four game-winning drives, and he's helped them win six of the last nine games. And we're just going to throw that out the window just because Sean Payton doesn't want him as quarterback. And it'd be one thing if they were eliminated from playoff contention, but they're still technically in it. And so this move to me just means, A, they don't give a, they don't give a crap about him. B, they, Sean Payton is determined to get the guy that he wants, which is a whatever, but see, they're willing to go about it in such a grimy way that it's just like, I hate, I, I hate it for him. And I, that's taking it out, taking out the fact that I'm a Russell Wilson fan, that he's my favorite quarterback, just any player. I would hate for them to be in this situation because you've done everything right. You're still asking me to help lead your team to rile these guys up to get you wins. But I got to know in the back of my mind, you probably going to bench me at any moment. It's foul. It's very foul. But everybody knows Russ is not the type to go off publicly. And instead, he just tweeted out, God got me excited for what's next. So let's beg the question, what do you think is next for Russ? Because it's pretty safe to say that in a few months, he will no longer be a Denver Bronco. 
what I think is next is I think he's going to end up on one of these QB needy teams. Um, like me and you kind of talked about it. Maybe a Washington, maybe a um, Minnesota if they don't resign Kirk. Maybe a Pittsburgh. And honestly, if he ends up on like a Minnesota or a Pittsburgh, I think that if they're able to get him for a decent price tag, I think there's a move that's going to be better, going to be good for Russ because you're going to be in a position to play on the team that has offensive weapons and you can still potentially make the playoffs again. Yeah, I think that's going to be a similar situation as well because that we talked about a lot of teams need quarterbacks. But let's say, for example, you're Atlanta, and I think right now they're picking 10th. Unless you're willing to give up a lot to trade into that top three range or you're hoping that Jaden Daniels falls in your lap or maybe wait later from Michael Penix or a Bo Nix, you're not likely going to get one of the top guys. And so it's like, well, hey, do we want to mortgage our draft future or do we want to get a vet like Russ? Who, let's be honest, his next contract is going to be significantly cheaper than what it's going to be now. And he, there might not be a player in the league who's going to have a bigger chip on his shoulder than Russ, and rightfully so, because you want to show everybody that you can still play. So I could see them being a team. Hell, I could even see the Raiders possibly doing it as well. Obviously, I don't know if I'd want to go to the Raiders, but they're another team where it's like if they really get their stuff together, they can make some noise. They can make some differences, especially if they have a good draft and good offseason and retain Antonio Pierce as their head coach. Vikings are another good spot. But I'll ask you this. If you had to pick, you're the Vikings general manager, who do you bring? Who would you rather have as your quarterback, Russ or Kirk Cousins? Being completely honest, I'm going to say Kirk because he's familiar with the offense and he already has a rapport with the guys in the locker room. Like, I'm, Russ has had history of having, like, bad locker room chemistry with guys for as great of a player as he is. So I would rather go with Kirk, especially if he's shown that he can, he's healthy and able to play to the level that he's been playing before, like playing before injury, I would go with Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, as of right now, I would agree. Well, no, it's tough because while I agree with you for everything you just said about Kirk Cousins and like already having chemistry, we don't know how he's going to look coming off that ACL and or Achilles. And he's not exactly a spring chicken. So it's like, how long is he going to take for him to return? So I think that'd probably be the biggest drawback. But for the sake of conversation, I think I would go Kirk too, because like you said, the chemistry. But so in that aspect, I go Kirk. But other than that, I mean, in terms of veteran quarterbacks who are going to be available, I think that Russ is going to have options. But I don't think it's going to be one of those things where it's like teams are going to be throwing a bag at them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it'll be teams that, like, may have missed out on getting, um, you know, getting one of those guys or if they know they're not going to be able to get a rookie. Bring in Russ, possibly draft another quarterback in the second, third round, kind of have him be a bridge guy. But either way, like Russ said, God got him. It's going to work out. And low-key, I hope the Broncos get smashed these next two games. 
Um, all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery before we make our game pick. So taking things back to last offseason, when the Baltimore Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, everybody in their mama made it a point to say they didn't want Russ. I mean, not Russ. They didn't want Lamar. The Falcons said it. The Commanders said it. The Lions said it, among other teams. And so now looking back at the way that Lamar has played and the fact that he's starting to get some MVP pop, it does has got people questioning the judgment of general managers. One of those people being J.J. Watt, who recently on the Pat McAfee show talked about this and said everybody in this offseason went out of their way to say we didn't want Lamar Jackson. If your GM said that, fire him. We're not going to go that far. But is it believable or buffoonery that the biggest mistake of the offseason was teams not going off, going after Lamar Jackson in free agency? Um, for a, I would say for a team like Atlanta, I'm going to say yes. Because they have Bijan, they have Drake London, they have Kyle Pitts. Like, they have offensive weapons. And I think Lamar would have worked amazing in Arthur Smith's system. Because he's mobile, he loves, he's dual threat. You can do a lot with Zone Reeves and him and Bijan. So from that standpoint, I'm going to say yes. From other teams' standpoint, I'm probably going to say no. I'll say for Detroit, no. I think they're still fine. Um, but if I'm Washington, yeah, 100%. If I'm Atlanta, a thousand percent. Because yes, they're still in the playoff race because the NFC South is weak. But like you said, just imagine how much better they'd be if Lamar was there. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna call it uh, believable on that. Uh, keeping things in the AFC North, Mike Tomlin, one of one of if not the best coach in the NFL. There's been a lot of questions about his job security following the Pittsburgh Steelers' um, disappointing season. So much so that there even are some rumors that the Steelers could consider uh, trading Mike Tomlin and going into a full rebuild. We rarely ever see coach trades. The last one was Sean Payton going having his rights from the uh, New Orleans Saints sit to the Denver Broncos. But Mike Tomlin, that's an interesting one. So believable or buffoonery, the Steelers should entertain trading Mike Tomlin. I'm going to say buffoonery because I don't think you're going to be able to find another coach that's to his caliber. Because, again, the things that's wrong with Pittsburgh, I feel like can be fixed. Like, one of them is quarterback play. If you are able to, like we mentioned, let's say you bring in a Russell Russell Wilson, and he could be a bridge guy for a year, maybe a year and a half. I think that could help out a ton. The motivation slash effort standpoint, I think you can fix that in the offseason of being like, hey, this isn't the Steelers' way. So, I say buffoonery. I'd say buffoonery too, because while I think that the Steelers need an overhaul, I don't know if they're in a position to just go full rebuild mode. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not just going to be trading Mike Tomlin. What are you going to do with TJ Watt? What are you going to do with Mika Fitzpatrick? What are you going to do with Cam Hayward? Like, if they agree to go in a rebuild, it's a lot of other dominoes that are going to fall. And I if you're Pittsburgh, I mean, realistically, when was the last time they were in a rebuild? Maybe 03, 04 before they drafted Big Ben? 
Like, other than that, like, the Steelers have kind of always been the Steelers. And while they may not have always been great, they've been good or at least been average. I just – I don't see them taking that big of a plunge. So, I'll, I'll say buffoonery. All right, last thing. I know your answer – but it's still interesting to talk about. So following the Raiders win over the Kansas City Chiefs, Antonio Pierce was asked um, about the likelihood or if he feels that he's done enough to be the Raiders' full-time coach. And he said this, my resume is on the grass. Hopefully Mark Davis sees improvement and growth within our team. He sees the style of play he wants from the Raiders. He sees a fan base that's behind us. I know what you're going to say because we're going to say the same thing. But believable or buffoonery, Antonio Pierce has earned the right to be the Raiders' full-time coach. Believable. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I ain't going to lie to you. I'm not saying that they are going to lose the next two games. But <laughs> if that, that Chiefs win alone would have got him the job for me. Like, that would have that, – if I'm Mark Davis, that would have sealed the deal. Because the way that these guys were able to buy in – and do so without a good offensive performance, and the defense just stepped up, and especially because their defense isn't full with really superstars or a star outside of Max Crosby, yeah, Antonio Pierce wouldn't go nowhere. But all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for Week 17, starting things off with Saturday's game between the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm kind of iffy on the Cowboys, but the Lions really haven't beaten a big dog. I'm going Cowboys, but I'm not confident in it. I'm going Lions. Baltimore Ravens versus the Miami Dolphins. I think this is going to be a tough one, but Jalen Waddle isn't playing. You can't throw the ball to Tyreek Hill all game. I got Baltimore. We seal the division and the number one seed. Baltimore. Houston Texans getting C.J. Stroud back, but the Tennessee Titans are getting Will Levis back. I still got Texans, though. Titans. Uh, Buffalo Bills versus the New England Patriots. I'm going Bills. And for their playoff lives, they better hope they win this game. Bills. Uh, next up, we got the Los Angeles Rams versus the New York Giants. Uh, Tyler, I mean, Tyrod Taylor is going to start in place of Tommy DeVito. It was fun while it lasted, but I'm going Rams. Rams. Philadelphia Eagles versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Eagles should win, and if they don't win by double digits, people are going to start coming at their head, and rightfully so. Yeah, Eagles. San Francisco 49ers heading to Washington to face the Commanders. I got 49ers in a big bounce-back game. 49ers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. I got Bucks. Yeah, I got Bucks. Jacksonville Jaguars without... Trevor Lawrence against the Carolina Panthers. I'm still going Jags. I think they end their four-game losing streak. Jags. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons versus Chicago Bears. This is tough, but I think I'm going to go Falcons. I'm going to go Bears. Las Vegas Raiders coming to Indy to face the Indianapolis Colts. Raiders. Uh, Seattle Seahawks hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think I'm going to go Seattle. Steelers. And uh, Los Angeles Chargers versus the Denver Broncos. I already said what it was. Chargers. Yeah, Chargers. Kansas City Chiefs versus the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. This will be interesting. I'm going Chiefs. 
but it, again, I'm not confident in it. I I'm, I have to go Chiefs because I feel like they still are going to have the best player on the field. But again, I'm like you, I'm not confident in it. All right, and last but not least, Sunday Night Football, Green Bay Packers without Jair Alexander, and then the Minnesota Vikings who will be starting rookie Jaron Hall. I'm going Vikings because I don't trust Jordan Love in this offense, and more importantly, I don't trust a defense that allowed the Panthers 30 points. This is tough because I do agree. I don't trust the defense that let the Panthers go 30, but I also don't know what this rookie quarterback is going to do. I can tell you what he gonna do. Find eighteen. Everyone, find eighteen. I'm gonna go Packers. All right, and then let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookie players we're watching. Starting on the offensive side of the ball, who you looking at? Brock Purdy. I know, obviously, I know the Commanders' defense isn't the Ravens' defense, but are you able to bounce back? And if you aren't, then yeah, you're about to get a lot more criticism. I'm going to go with another quarterback who had a disappointing performance. I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Like, again, the Cincinnati Bengals defense isn't, like, star-ridden, but they have given Patrick Mahomes problems in the past when he has had not had as good of an arsenal of weapons. And so with all that being said, Patrick Mahomes, you got to show you a big dog. You got to show that you can lead this team against teams that you should beat because as of late, the – Chiefs haven't done that. All right, defensively, who you watching? Defensively, I am watching, uh, honestly, I'm watching whoever covered Justin Jefferson. Because like you said, fine 18, so if the Packers going to win the game, whoever covers him is going to have to have a good game. Yeah, because he, especially with TJ Hawkinson being out, he's going to get the ball at target. He's going to get targeted at least 12 times. Um, defensively, I'm watching Aiden Hutchinson. A big reason why I went with the Cowboys is I don't necessarily trust the Lions defense. They give up a lot of points and do not get a lot of help pressure-wise outside of Aiden Hutchinson. Somebody's going to have to step up alongside him, but if the Lions want to have a chance, he's going to have to have a big game. All right, what rookie you watching? Will Levis. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of people have said, like, they think that they should just bench him and ride it out in the tank. I mean, I still think they should put him out there to get developmental reps to see, you know, you're still trying to decide if he's going to be the guy. That's wild. Why would you bench him, though? <laughs> like, that's I get if you want to, like, kind of tank. I mean, low-key putting Jeffrey Simmons on IR, like, yeah. kind of does that for you. That's crazy. Like, especially because he's a rookie. Yeah. That's wild. I, I, I'm i like, bro, you need to play him because, again, I don't. Like, I don't see them winning games even with him in because of the other guys that have been out. But, it's, yeah, people have said that a couple, a couple times. If he wasn't a rookie, I might put some credence on it. But, like, you want a rookie to get as many reps as he can. Like, that's right. I agree. Um, I'm on the same – I'm with you on the same game, but the opposite sideline. I'm going C.J. Stroud. He's missed the last two games with a concussion. Uh, he's already the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. And the AFC South right now is wide open. I mean, if the Texans want to come out and win the division, they have to win this game and they have to win next week. But let's just focus on this week. I want to see what CJ Stroud looks like in his first game back. Um, And the team you're calling out this weekend. Team I'm calling out is... Uh, 
calling out. I'm calling out the uh, Eagles. Like, yeah. like you stated, y'all got we. Everybody suspects y'all gonna win this game, but if y'all like don't blow them out, I'm gonna look at y'all a certain way. I'm calling out Baltimore for obvious reasons. I don't want Browns fans to think they're going to win the division or get the number one seed. We can close the door on both of that right now. Just beat the Dolphins, which is not an easy thing to do. But we handle our business. We ride off. We get that ba- that buy in the wild card round. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, starting with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, my Mamba is Giannis. Mine's is Joel. No, I'm going to go Giannis. Yeah, Joel Embiid has been an easy pick, but I think he's missed like two or three games this week, so yeah. it's opening the things up. Um, My Western Mamba of the week is Luka, because Luka's been balling. Mine's is, unfortunately, the guy that killed us last night, Nicole. Yeah, it it wasn't pretty. Um, But hey, Marcus <laughs> Smart is back. Yeah. So you got to take, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, And then my rookie mom of the week, I'm going Scoot. Scoot just balled out last night. Give him his props. And he said he feel like the rookie uh award, the rookie way, race is wide open. I don't know if I say all that, but I mean, hey, stranger things yeah. have happened. I don't think it's wide open, but I'm going to go Scoot because he, he's recently starting to look like the player that we kind of expect him to be when he got drafted. Most of. All right, let's go to our top three takeaways of the week. You can start. Top three takeaways. Um, the impact of John Morant on the Memphis Grizzlies. We saw in his return, went on a four-game win streak, the most games they've won consecutively throughout the course of the season. The one game he was out, they got beat by 30 40, close to 40 points. Um, Grant and I understand you're going up against the best player in the NBA, but the Nuggets they had, Aaron Gordon now, who's a key piece for them, and the Grizzlies basically had everybody but itself for a job, and Santi Aldama. And I think that shows, like, the level of star power that Ja has and the level of player that he is it's because, like, he when he's on the court, he corrects a lot of the Grizzlies wrongs. Um, and I think that like he's definitely gonna be the driving factor in seeing if they at least make the play this year. I was having a conversation about Ja not playing last night with another <clears throat> Grizzly fan and like obviously he hated that y'all were losing like that, but he did bring up a good point. He was like, It's probably good that he didn't play because going back to Denver, it would have been a place where everything started. And if he would have done anything, you know they'd be quick to try to bring it up and use it against him. So, but it's cool. Y'all gonna get y'all to the playoffs, so it's gonna be all right. Um, my number three is Steve Kerr is right. The NBA is trying to do away with defense following uh, the Warriors game against the Nuggets, where Nikola Jokic took eight took eighteen free throw attempts. Uh, Steve Kerr really called out officiating, called out the NBA at large, uh, saying, "I have a problem with the way that they're legislating the game." legislating defense out the game. We're just enabling players to BS their way to the foul line. If I were a fan, I wouldn't have wanted to watch the second half. It was disgusting. I mean, you and I have kind of talked about it, just how players are just know what buttons to push to try to force 
uh, fouled and try to get to the free throw line. I mean, the NBA has tried to make rules against it, but because everything nowadays just feels like a foul, I agree. It does feel like the game is trying to get away from players playing defense and just let it be shootouts every night. So I have a double-edged sword take on that take. Mm-hmm. I I do agree with him, but him referencing the Coleogis getting like 18 free throws, he was wrong because yeah. I watched it. And they were fouling the Coleogis. Yeah. Like, I get if you like if you were to talk about like prime James Harden days where he was getting. 20 free throws just by flailing himself around, I would agree. I still agree with the statement. But, like, Nikola wasn't doing any of the foul bait. They were legitimately fouling him. Yeah. Agreed. I I agree with the sentiment, just not what you're using as an example. All right, what's your number two? My number two um, goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. I think... Being completely honest, if if they want to keep Zion on the Pelicans, they're going to have to restructure their roster. They are going. They need a legitimate point guard. CJ McCollum is playing out of position, and granted, he can score in bunches, but what the Pelicans need is they need a guy that can get people in position, i.e., Brandon Ingram and Zion in positions to score. Because they're the focal points of the offense. And, like, I think them not having a true point guard is something that's really holding them back. Because I I even think about the games that I watched when they lost to the Grizzlies. Like, I I just think if they had a point guard that was able to, like, slow the game down in moments when the Grizzlies were making runs and run, like, clean sets – and kind of like get easy buckets for their for their star players. I think they would have won both of those games, and instead they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, my number two is if the Pistons weren't so bad, we'd be talking about Cade Cunningham being a top ten to fifteen player in the NBA this season. Like, Cade Cunningham, like, I, kn- I know we joke about situations where people say we lost and there's a player like, nah, y'all lost. I didn't lose. And Cade Cunningham right now kind of feels like the personification of that because just last night against the um, Celtics, he had a great game. He's had multiple, what, 30, 40 points games, and unfortunately his teammates just cannot help out or for whatever reason it's not leading to wins. I mean, he's averaging 23 a pop. He's shooting well behind the three-throw line. He's doing well against steals. He's like, I just – if I'm Kay Cunningham, I just I know this is what his third year in the league and it's a grind, but like the level of frustration I would have if I was him is through the roof because you know you're not going anywhere. You know they're not gonna trade you. Yeah. Um speaking of the Pistons, I I think that I know that they said like, hey, everybody's up for sale except for um Kay Cunningham and Jalen Durant. Being completely honest, they don't really have that many pieces that people will want. Like, in my mind, I can see because Marvin Bagley hasn't shown to fear his um the promise that people thought that he had when he came out of Duke. Isaiah Stewart is 
on minutes that I don't know if I would want him on my team because it's like, hey, bro, we're trying to win games, not have you fighting everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I would take Jaden Ivey. I think he's an interesting piece because if you put him in the right system, I think he can flourish. Um, Bogdanovich, I think he's the best asset that they have because he's a venture piece that can go to a contender and help them win games. But they don't really have much to try to trade. What are you going to trade? Killing Hayes? Yeah. He shouldn't, even, he shouldn't even be on the court, and yet he's starting for you. Not so only he, that. Like, did you see that? Uh, I don't know if he was trying to, like, get fancy with a pass last night, but it ended up just going out of bounds. Did you see that play? Nah, I didn't. That was bad. But, yeah, I feel you. They have, like, no trade assets. It's kind of insane. Um, Number one for me, it kind of goes back to Ja, but it's like Ja's always going to be himself, so people need to get over it. Like, the overtime game against the Pelicans when he did that dance, and people were so quick to be like, man, you just got suspended for a gun, doing gun stuff, and you doing a dance with guns. And it's like, what are you talking about? And then, like, the people in New Orleans, like, it was a dance that was based in New Orleans. The LSU Tigers receivers did it all the time. But because Ja does it, it's like, oh, this is a problem. Or you think that he's trying to do something out of character, and it's whack to me. Like, I saw a post that was, like, people expecting Ja to just start acting like Kawhi Leonard and not show no personality, and that's not going to happen, as it shouldn't. Ja should be able to be himself and not have people nitpicking at him or always trying to find him doing stuff wrong. I agree with everything you just did. Yeah, people are weird. Um, but all right, let's go ahead and move on to some roster moves. Starting off with former Grizzly uh, Kenneth Lawson Jr. signing a two-way contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. And after a couple years with the Atlanta Hawks, it seems that DeJounte Murray could potentially be on the way out. As it's reported by Mark Stein, that the Hawks are expected to explore trading the guard. In your opinion, what team do you think would be a good fit for him if he is actually moved? DeJounte, I would say, honestly, the Lakers or... Maybe Philly, if they want to potentially add another piece of what they have. Um, really, I see any playoff caliber team that needs a guard that can shoot and defend, I would say no. Um, Philly would make sense. Now, from the Lakers tip, I almost said the Lakers because I saw something along the lines of like them being interested. If you're the Lakers, would you rather have DeJounte Murray or Zach Levine? Because I'd say Zach Levine. I will say DeJounte Murray because, and the reason I say that is because Zach Levine, he gets a lot of love because he's a highlight real player. He's a guy that's a microwave level player. But what the Lakers need is they need a guy that could potentially play off the ball. DeJounte has proven in Atlanta that he can do that because he's been forced to play off the ball for sure, you know. Yeah. He's a, he can knock down three-point shots. He's like a 40% shooter from three. And he plays defense. And, like, when you need a guy to take the ball out of that's like LeBron's hands, you can put the ball in his hands, and he's a capable, like, distributor and scorer. With Zach, he's not, he's not a defender. He's a shot chucker at times. He can be – he's inefficient. Like, those are things that I think that the, like, like, I get he makes, like, high 
think if you're in the state of like a championship team, the way that DeJounte plays and can like play around the guys that you have actually fits better than Zach LeBain. I look at it like this. DeJounte Murray is good, and I agree with you. I think he does provide more of a defensive presence. But I think what the Lakers are severely lacking right now, if I had to, like, boil it down to one thing, is one, if LeBron is – we can't – I can't talk. We can't count on LeBron for everything. And Anthony Davis, though through this recent stretch he's been on the court more, we still haven't been able to prove that we can trust him totally. So if we need a third option, who can we call? And obviously coming into the season, it was supposed to be Austin Reeves, but obviously that has not exactly taken place. And so then it begs the question of who do you trust? And if it came down to Zach Levine or DeJounte Murray of who I trust more to be that third scoring option, I would give the nod to Levine. Yes, he does have some, sometimes take some questionable shots, but I can respect the fact that he will take those shots. DeJounte Murray is a bit more conservative in his shot attempts, which is fine. I think he, that's kind of been the case, especially in Atlanta and then being coached up by Coach Pop. Like, you know he's not going to let just anybody shoot any. Like, you got to really take good shots there. And I think he's just been kind of programmed like that, which is totally understandable. I'm not knocking him for it. But I think that the Lakers could use a aggressive third option if LeBron or AD isn't having a good night or if one of them is missing a game. And I at this point, I think I would trust Zach Levine more with that responsibility than I would trust DeJounte. But he would be cheaper contract-wise, and I think it would cost less to get him. So I wouldn't be mad to get him, but I just think at this present moment, I think I would prefer Zach Levine. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. My counter argument to that. DeJounte Murray isn't select like he's had to be more selective with his shot taking on the Hawks because of Trey Young. When he was in San Antonio, he wasn't selective with his shot taking. Like he was taking what he was taking and making a lot of shots. I think that the, again, this is the thing of the like because DeJounte isn't this flashy big name or big name like talent S double player, people get it misconstrued. Like he's a guy that can do he can do everything that Zach Levine does, but he does it more efficiently and he plays defense. Like I hear you when you say it, to me, coming from a basketball standpoint, I don't want my third option being a dude that just chucks up shots because when when he's on, it's amazing. When he's off, he's going to blow you a game because he's not going to stop shooting. At least with DeJounte, he can score the same amount of points as Zach Levine, play defense. He can actually get assists and facilitate. And when he sees that he's off, he can get other guys involved. And Zach Levine can't do that. Now, I would argue with DeJounte in San Antonio because he was the only option. Who else on that team would you trust to have the ball in their hands putting up the most shots? When I, I mean, you can essentially say until DeMar got there, you can essentially say the same thing for Zach Levine. But I, I say my point in saying that is... In Chicago, is he doesn't know how to play off of another player in DeMar DeRozan. So you're expecting him to then go to the Lakers and play behind a LeBron and AD or AD and LeBron. 
it, it didn't work out. The point I'm trying to make is I, I get everything you're saying about DeJounte. Again, wouldn't be mad at it. But the reason I say that about San Antonio is coming in, there was really no other option on that team. And like I said, with Coach Pop, he's not going to just let you just throw shots up. Like, you may take the most shots out of everybody because you have to, but he's not just going to let you shoot from whatever on the court and be like, oh, that's fine because you're our leading scorer. That's not going to fly. And so yeah. that's where I that's think – Huh? That's, that's called good basketball. That's yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. No, no, no. I'm not saying it like it's a bad he's thing. Not gonna just take, he's not going to just take anything. But that's what, make, in my opinion, that's why he's a better option than, than Zach Levine. Because if you're a guy that just takes wild shots, like, I don't want to, I don't want it to be a clip situation. I give you, and say I give you the ball, and you take a crazy shot. Regardless of whatever the situation is, I want a guy that's going to be able to take the best shot available. And that's what DeJounte does. And he's able to do other things that Zach Levine can't do. I look at it like this. Like I said, I'm not knocking DeJounte. I wasn't saying that as a bad thing. I'm just saying there are situations where different because Coach Pop is going to coach you differently than the coaches that, um, what's his name, Zach Levine has had in the past. And like you said, he hasn't had to be that option. He's had to widen, broaden his game in Atlanta because he's not going to be that first scoring option. He's had to learn how to play off other people. That's cool. But, again, I would go Levine just because, like I said, I want somebody who's that aggressive. Now, I don't want him to be aggressive all the time, but let's say AD's out. Let's say LeBron is out. Regardless, I want somebody who I can trust to lead a team who can step up. But that's, that's, the, that's the risk you take of when you bring in a guy like Zach Levine who's hyper-aggressive when you have LeBron and AD on the court. He's still going to be hyper-aggressive. I can live with that. When you bring in DeJounte Murray, he can, when he has AD and LeBron, he can tail it back. But when they're out, he can also be hyper-aggressive because he knows that he can take the the shots. I can live with that. And I say I can live with that because, let's say for one reason or another, AD or LeBron aren't playing. I would trust us in the hands of Zach Levine more than I would trust the team in the hands of DeJounte Murray. So I'd I'd accept that risk. My question is, is why? Because, and the reason I say this is because Zach Levine, like, DeJount, like they both have been on bad teams, but DeJounte has been on teams that have been, like, close to making the playoffs. Like, he was on the Spurs team that made the play in, and he was the best player on the Spurs team. Like, when you look at when you look at it from the standpoint of Zach Levine, he's been a dude that scored a bunch of points on a bunch of bad teams. That hasn't led to anything. Like any playoffs, like Zach Levine has never been in the playoffs, or he's never been close to the playoffs. He's just a dude that scores a bunch of points. Okay. Like I just look at it like this: I don't need you to be my superstar. I don't need you to be my savior. I need a third scoring option. And that's and when you get a guy like Zach Levine, he can, he he might be a guy that thinks like I'm going to have to be the savior. Dejounte Murray is can prove has proven he could be, just be a third scoring option because he's doing it right now in Atlanta, like where he's taking a step back. But at the end of the day, 
like I said, my argument comes down to this. This. If AD and LeBron aren't on the court, who do I trust to get us a win? Who do I trust to rally the troops? And if I need you to lead the team in scoring and get us the point, if I need to trust you to get 25-30 a game to get us this win, I trust Zach Levine to do it more than DeJounte Murray. DeJounte, the thing is, is DeJounte is proven that he can do the exact same thing. And, do to, and he can get you 30 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, and play good defense. They basically, he can do the exact same thing, but also bring you other facets of the game that Zach Levine doesn't care about at all, which is playmaking and playing defense. Because those are parts of the game that you're going to need to win games when your two stars are out. I hear you, but I'm still saying I'd rather have Zach Levine because I've seen him do it more, more prevalently, especially in recent memory than DeJounte. DeJounte sure would do it in San Antonio, but since he's been in Atlanta, how many games have he had like that? He, that's the thing. He's in Atlanta. Nobody. But I'm saying though, no, even when there have been ga- game. there's been games when Trey Young hasn't played and he hasn't done it. He's done it. He did it with the Grizz when they played the Grizzlies. He had a smooth thirty six and seven, and Trey Young was on the court. Like that's what I'm like. Just because he doesn't have the notoriety of Zach Levine doesn't mean that he doesn't do it. Oh no, no, I'm not saying it. It has nothing to do with notoriety. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. But that's what it boils. That's what it's boiling down to. Of like you're saying you trust Zach Levine because you've seen him do it more. Maybe because you look you, you look in Chicago a little bit more because of Demar Derozan. No, it's not even that. It's really not even that. I mean, he's just had more longevity doing it. And I mean, you haven't asked you speaking of Atlanta. They haven't asked Dejounte Murray to really be that guy. He's really just been asked to play second fiddle to Trey Young, which is totally understandable. Everybody knew what that was going to be when he got there. But all and I'm now, saying on the is, flip side of that, Zach Levine really has been playing second fiddle to Demar Derozan. Sure. He's not been the best player on their team when he's been on the court. Oh, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. But what I'm saying is, again. How I, how it's all boiling down. I agree with everything you were saying. I hear you, and I would not be mad about getting DeJounte Murray. But DeJounte Murray has not been called to do that and be that guy on a consistent level, especially since he's been in Atlanta, because he hasn't had to, and that's not a bad thing. But, yes, Zach Levine has not exactly had the most success with the Bulls prior to DeMar getting there. They haven't had much success together anyway. But when push comes to shove, if I need a third option who can take over the game and get us a win, I feel more comfortable with Zach Levine doing it right now than I do, well, when he's healthy, than I do DeJounte Murray. I hear everything you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. I think DeJounte Murray is a really, really good player and a kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He can do a little bit of everything. But the Lakers are trying to find somebody who can be that third scoring option who is secure we don't need you to really be a distributor that's what lebron for lebron is our jack of all trades can you give us 20 20 plus a night when called to can you help lead us to a game if either of those guys can't play and at this very moment i trust zach levine to do it more than Dejounte murray i i disagree only reason i disagree again is because you're asking that dude that has had notable struggles playing with other guys to then go into another situation where he's playing with other guys. Then, I mean, he don't have to come. And sure, but, I mean, we've seen time and time again guys who are used to being the guy 
they recognize, they go to a team and they realize, okay, this isn't my team. I have a specific role that I have to play. Does it take time for them to adapt? Hell yeah. I mean, it's an ego thing. If you've been the guy for your team forever, it's obviously going to take time, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it would never happen. I think he would be able to figure it out because it's a guy like LeBron or because it's a guy like Anthony Davis. And I love DeMar DeRozan, but he hasn't achieved the things that either of those guys have achieved. And so it's easier to listen to those guys as opposed to a DeMar. I, I I hear you in that statement, but I also disagree. He might not have achieved the same things as a, as a LeBron. I would say outside of winning the championship, he's achieved more than Anthony Davis because he's been in the playoffs significantly more than Anthony Davis has before he went to the Lakers. And significantly more than Zach Levine has ever had at any point in his career. Sure. Like, but let's be honest. Do you think that if DeMar DeRozan tried to spit game to him, he's really going to listen? He yeah. should. But, DeMar... but do you think he would? Like, realistically. I, I think it's a no. Why not? It's a, it's not uh, no, a... I'm not saying... Hold on. If you're saying if DeMar DeRozan is trying to spit game to him and he isn't listening, there isn't an indictment on there isn't an indictment on DeMar DeRozan. No, not at all. No, 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 no. I just mentioned DeMar DeRozan in the sense of if we're comparing resumes, maybe you're – let me say it like this. Forget AD. You're going to listen to what LeBron is telling you before you listen to DeMar DeRozan. Not yes. anything against DeMar DeRozan because – No, yes. But, but I'm saying in the statement of this, you can – yes, if you're listening to LeBron, you're going to listen to LeBron before you listen to DeMar DeRozan. But I'm talking about in the current structure of where he is right now, you have a dude in DeMar DeRozan that has shown to be a fixture of being a, t- a guy that can get your team to the playoffs. If you don't want to listen to him, regard, I understand it's LeBron. This still can mean that he doesn't even want to listen to LeBron. Because it's like, like yes, LeBron's resume is better than DeMar, but if you're not able, in my opinion, if I'm a coach, if you can't listen to the dude that's been to the playoffs 10-plus years, I don't want you on my team to then think you're going to miraculously start listening to the guys that I have on my locker room. Sure, but how bad does Zach Levine want to win a championship? If you we feel don't. like, but hear me out, if you feel like you have a legitimate chance to compete for a championship, you're going to listen to the people who you feel like can help get you to that championship. If you he's are that committed to it, you're going to have to adapt. And if that's Zach Levine's motivation, then he shouldn't come to L.A. Because you're not going to be the guy. But the thing is, that's why I ask, how bad do you want to win? Because as good as Zach Levine is, I think we can both agree. If Zach Levine is your best player, you're not going to win a championship. Absolutely. And so how I look at it is, if in the case of Zach Levine, if you want to win a championship, if you want to create a championship legacy, you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to accept, hey, maybe I'm not the guy to lead this team. And if you can do that, I think that the Lakers will be a good fit. Now, if he can't adapt, then yeah, I don't want you. What's the point? If you are just gung-ho on that, but if he's willing to adapt and willing to understand, hey, I'm the third option, and so when those times come in, when the Lakers need him to step up, when AD and LeBron aren't there, I believe that he could do it. But if he's not trying to adapt, I wouldn't even bring him in. I think that's really what it all comes down to. Is he willing to accept that role? But, yeah, moving on. Uh, Let's talk injuries. 
Starting off with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, free agent acquisition Gabe Vincent is set to miss at least the next six to eight weeks after having successful uh, arthroscopic surgery on his left knee. And Aaron Gordon, forward for the Denver Nuggets, is going to be out for a to-be-determined amount of time after being bit by a dog. Uh, he has facial lacerations and is going to be away from the team as he recovers. Prayers up because I can only imagine how scary that had to have been. And then uh, last thing before we play our game of believable or buffoonery, um, Woj in a recent uh, report came out that Kevin Durant is having some frustrations with the Phoenix Suns, stemming with the fact that uh, they don't have that much depth, they're struggling, and Beal and Booker missing games. Since acquiring Bradley Beal in the blockbuster trade this summer, the Philadelphia, I mean the Phoenix Suns' big three have only played 24 minutes together. And so let's start off here, because none of us are in the locker room. We don't know exactly is being said but do you actually believe that KD does have frustration with the Suns right now? Uh, I think he does. I mean, he came there with the intent of winning, and because of the lack of depth and the guys not playing, they aren't necessarily winning. In my opinion, though, like, you were a contributing factor in that. Yeah. Because, like, they traded all of their depth to get you and to get Bradley Bill. So you came around, you knew what you were coming into when you went there. Yeah. So it's like you can be frustrated, but you you were a key contributing factor in there because it's like in being one of the best players in being in the position that you were in, they weren't just gonna give you away for like nothing. So like, yeah, they got rid of Mikhail Bridges. Cameron Johnson, like all of those guys that you might would have thought would have been great to play alongside. Now you're playing alongside like um, Nazir Little and Grayson Allen, so you don't have depth. So I can understand you being frustrated, but it's like these were the cards that you knew were dealt when you wanted to go to Phoenix because they weren't going to just let anybody go, bring anybody into Brooklyn to get you. And you know, just on the Bradley Beal tip, Bradley Beal wouldn't have been there if KD and D-Book didn't vouch for him. And they know that in order to get Bradley Beal, they were going to have to give up more depth. And so, yeah, I agree with you on that. And so it's been two schools of thought regarding this situation. On the one hand, you have Brandon Jennings, who in talking about this, he tweeted out the situation, said KD should leave Suns. They curse, man. He don't deserve this. And then the other side of things, former uh, Orlando Magic guard Terrence Ross tweeted out, dog, they was doing fine before they traded for him. What's the problem between... KD deserves better, he should leave, or the Suns were doing fine without him. Which school of thought do you agree with more? The Suns are doing fine without him. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the team that they had before they made the move, like, yes, they don't have Chris Paul, but if you were to tell me you would have a team with Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, the way that he's been playing since he's been, in, like, had a bigger role in Brooklyn. Cam Johnson, I don't know about DeAndre Aiden, but like a core of those three, I think they can still, and maybe if you want to say, hey, let's bring in like a, maybe 
a Bradley Bill or another point guard, a a, a better a better point guard, I think they would be better off because again, like you can at least say you still have depth and like so. Yeah, in the whole, I'm t- and me personally, like I understand it's the player empowerment. Like if you want to leave, then like everybody's encouraging you to leave. From in the stand, from the standpoint of KD, I don't want to see KD leave. I'm tired of you leaving. Like every time you get a struggle, you go to a different team. You very like, I think him and James Harden are the poster boys for doing it. Of like, when stuff doesn't come easy. Oh, I wanted to go. And it's like, bro, just man up, hope, be the player that everybody thinks you can be and scra- and fight your way into the playoffs and try to win a championship with the team that you got. Like, I can't re- – like, if Katie were to leave the Suns and go somewhere else, I as a fan couldn't – I couldn't respect it because it's like, bro, you went to Brooklyn with a super team. You wanted out when it got hard. Now you're in Phoenix and you're on another super team with two other all-NBA all, all level players. You want out because it's hard. Like, just stay and play, bro. Like, because you're not going to – it's not – you're not going to be able to go to that many teams where you're going to be – say, like, hey, we're going to bring in this level of talent and, like, we're also going to have depth. The only team that, that you were able to do that on was Phoenix. I mean, not Phoenix, but Golden State. State. Because, and the depth that you had was because the depth was veteran players that played better than their contracts. Now, I agree with you. So, in your opinion, let's say KD does force his way out of Phoenix. Do you think that hurts his legacy? Yes. Because, I mean, his legacy has been, a, like, I think his legacy is, is twofold. One part of his legacy is, is like everybody knows that KD is the greatest scoring talent that we've ever seen, and this without question. But then it's this other part of his legacy that other basketball, like basketball fans and media members, point to is like how many championships have you won? How many teams have you carried? And when you look at that part of his resume, it's like you have one championship. People can say you quasi-carried their team. Could you, though? Some people would. I know some people are. Okay. But, like, I don't think that. I I think you just joined a team that was already established. And yeah. you fed off their success. So, I definitely think it would hurt his legacy. Because it's like, now, you you left Golden State, and then you went to Brooklyn, you and you were with Kyrie, who you wanted to play with, James Harden, who you wanted to play with. You left that situation. Then, then now you're in Phoenix, and the season, the season ain't even like halfway over yet, and you're basically saying like I'm frustrated, kind of hinting that you might want to leave. Yeah, I think that I heard his legacy. Yeah, I agree with you one thousand percent. Especially because now it's like realistically. If you're KD, where can you even go that's going to give you what you seem to be looking for? Maybe Philly, maybe LA. Like, 
I don't think any, especially because it seems like all these places that KD has gone, it's felt like a slam dunk. He was going to win a championship, and it hasn't happened. And like you said, it's still very early in the NBA season. There's nobody saying that the Suns couldn't get off on a run and maybe make a move or two to add some solid players off the bench and maybe make a championship run. But if he's as frustrated to the point of like, you know what, I don't even want to do it, yeah, that's going to be a bad look. Because if he thought it was bad, like when he went to the Warriors and people call him Cupcake, every person who believed that, and he can care or not care, but if he were to leave Phoenix because things aren't going his way, you are giving them more ammunition. You are giving them more reason to think that you soft. But all right, last thing uh, before we make our game picks. Let's play our game of believable or buffoonery. Following the Lakers' tough loss on Christmas to the Boston Celtics, LeBron James got candid about where the team stands in relation to the rest of the NBA and said, I don't think we're where we want to be to be able to compete against the top teams. Right now, I think it's hard to argue that. I think if the – obviously the playoffs aren't going to start anytime soon, but as of right now, the Lakers are the – Seed. They would be the eighth seed at sitting at 17 and 15. So is it believable or buffoonery that right now the Lakers can't compete with the top teams in the NBA? Uh, is it believable or buffoonery? I'm going to say... I'm going to say buffoonery because the Lakers have top-level talent on their team. One thing, Dar- I don't, Darvin Ham makes wild roster moves. I mean, not roster moves, but lineup moves. Um, and I think, like, they still overly rely on LeBron for being a man that's, I think, about to turn 39. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're going to say, like, in a game-by-game situation, I think they can compete because competing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw this last playoff run, like the way that they were able to make it to the Western Conference Finals when really nobody thought they would make it that far. And then they got swept by the Nuggets. I think the Lakers are one of those teams where they can rely on that veteran leadership. And when guys like LeBron and AD are playing to the best of their ability, they can go with anybody. But it's just how far can that take you? And so, compete, I think they can compete, but really be able to, like, go blow for blow or be in, like, the championship conversation, that's where I I don't – that's where I don't think it works. But uh, talking about championships, two players who championships have eluded their careers, and Carmelo Anthony and Damian Lillard. Uh, Melo got – talked about a conversation he had with Dame back in their time with Portland – and where he likened Dame's situation in Portland to the one he was in in Denver. He said, you're in the same situation I was in in Denver. Our loyalty is going to kill us. What do we have to see or know or hear or like, all right, let's make the decision. And for us, they had to hit rock bottom for us to be like, you know what, I'm going to go. But at that time, it's too far down the line. It's forceful. It's like we got to make it happen. I don't give a F what happens. I mean, we've kind of talked about the loss and lack of loyalty around the NBA. But, I mean, maybe that's not exactly a bad thing. So, believable or buffoonery, loyalty as an NBA player is no longer a beneficial trait to have. Uh, I mean, that's hard for me to say because it's not really any loyal NBA players left. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, Dane was the, the last fixture of that. I think maybe the closest thing we might get to that, and we don't fully know yet, is probably like Ja or like Nicola but, or Luca. But, like, we don't really know what loyalty looks like in the NBA because we see, again, we're talking about KD ready to leave again. So, like, we don't really, we don't really know what loyalty is as far as NBA players in the current standpoint because, I mean, all the players that are on teams that we might deem as being loyal, their teams are in good standing. Like, I know the situation with Ja is different because they're low in standings, but it's like he he just resigned the contract extension and he's on a team that, when fully healthy, can be a top three team in the Western Conference. So, like, it's easy to still be loyal to their team. Um, and, the like, they haven't had to go out and necessarily make roster moves. They did. They got Marcus Smart. But, like, their roster has been pretty good during his tenure. So I'm going to say, I guess I'm going to say buffoonery because I don't think anybody's loyal. Yeah, it's hard to gauge um... – because, I mean, it's easy to say you want to stay with a team for your entire career. It's very easy to say that. But to actually do it, like, there's so many other mitigating circumstances that can kind of prevent that. Because at the end of the day, if a team wants to trade you, no matter how bad you want to stay, you're going to be moved. And so I don't, I'll don't. i never say that being loyal is a bad thing. But I can say that I understand why some players are like, this, I'm not getting anywhere in my career this team isn't going anywhere. And if I want to win a championship or if I want to do what's best for me, I need to move on. And, like, obviously there are certain situations where it's like, come on, like it, like James Harden or, you know, Kevin Durant, where it's like, come on, man. But, like, other situations like Dame, nobody could really fault Dame for wanting to leave Portland. They weren't winning anything. And so, like, situations like that, like, I really can't fault nobody for doing it. I can admire players who stay with a team for a long time. And, like, if you stay with one team for your entire career, feels like feels like a freaking unicorn. You never see it. But, yeah, it's hard to really gauge because it's not much loyalty really left. And I think this, too, when, pe- when people talk about loyalty from the stands, how many players were truly loyal to the teams that they were on? Because this is something that I always, I always felt kind of like people were misconstrued on. People would always talk about Kobe's loyalty to the Lakers. Kobe like, wanted to leave. Like they didn't forget Kobe wanted to leave before they got Pau Gasol. Yeah. It's the, just, just the Lakers they, were like, no. They looked up and finished the Grizzlies in one of the most lopsided trades in the history of the NBA. And then they went on to win two more championships. But Kobe wanted to go. Yeah. Like, Dirk, and as of my knowledge, probably, I think, was the his uncle's been, like, the true unicorn in loyalty. Because I still, to this day, I've never heard any stories around, like, hey, Dirk, Dirk wanted to go. Dirk was saying it's time to roll. Like, Dirk was riding with the Mavs through and through. Yeah, I mean, shoot, you talk about before the Lakers got pal, like after the Pistons finals, when there was conversations about the Lakers, like who they going to keep, Kobe or Shaq. Like Kobe was saying he was looking at houses in Chicago. He was going to go play for the Bulls. 
So, like, like you said, like, it's one of those things, like, if team want to keep you, they can keep you, but, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, a couple more things before we get out of here. Speaking of L.A., looking at the Los Angeles Clippers, who seem to have turned the corner, finally found the right lineup to boast the talents of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, and my main man, Russell Westbrook. So much so that J.J. Reddick on the Old Man in 3 podcast said, I, don't, I think it's time to start thinking about the Clippers as a legitimate championship contender. Is that buffoonery or believable? say believable my only question mark about the Clippers is is when they get to the playoffs what is it going to look like because like right now is James Harden going to disappear like he normally does in the playoffs is Kawhi and PG going to hold I think a lot of their like legitimate championship contention is going to hold up be contingent upon is Kawhi and PG going to be healthy enough to make it to the like make it to where they can be effective and play in the playoffs? Because that's what happens every year. Like the Clippers look amazing in the regular season, and then the playoffs, he PG gets hurt, Kawhi gets hurt, and then it's like, or either Kawhi gets hurt and PG's there, and it's PG and just a couple dudes. So for the time being, I'm going to say yes, but. Nutrition is the bigger is the biggest thing for the Clippers. Like, are they going to be able to stay healthy throughout the rest of this season? I'm gonna call buffoonery for everything you said on the second tip. Like, I don't trust them during the playoffs. Like you said, like in the regular season, they can look great, they can be clicking, but when the playoffs come, like you say, somebody's getting hurt or they just fall short in the playoffs. And until I see them buck that trend, I don't believe it. Because anybody can look good in the regular season. But once the lights are on bright and games matter, not uh, not saying they don't matter, but you get what I mean. Until I see the Clippers do that, I have a hard time believing it. But if they can keep balling out in the regular season, I mean, that's fine. But till they win postseason, I don't. I'm not buying it. All right, last thing. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was both of our Eastern Mamba players of the year, and I don't think anybody would argue that he's having a good season. But is it a good enough season to be considered top five in the NBA? If you ask a former NBA forward, Evan Turner, he'd say no. He said, I still don't have him in my top five, but I can respect greatness. Believable or buffoonery, Giannis is not a top five player in the NBA right now. I'm pretty sure he didn't do it. Who's in his top five? He didn't do it. Yeah, he just said, where does he rank Giannis? Because the question was where he ranks Giannis among current NBA players, and he said not in his top five. I mean, right now, I would say Nicola, maybe Joel. I put Joel in there for sure. No, I'm saying, like, I'm trying to go, like, in order. Oh, okay. Nicola, Joel. Giannis, uh, I would throw, I'm almost tempted to say Shea. I, I was just thinking Shay. I think Shay might be four for me. And honestly, maybe Anthony Edwards, just this season alone. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, this season alone, Loki and and Shay are, like, battling for that fourth spot. Well, yeah. I mean, Giannis is definitely in my top five. Now, if they said, like, best player in the NBA, I would agree. I don't think I'd say he was the best. Yeah, no. Like, it, it's being clearly stated by multiple players that are actively playing. They all say the best player in the NBA is Nicole. Yeah. Like, Anthony Elwood said it in a podcast or something, and he was on, like, Nicole is the best player in the NBA. I think that's clearly stated. And I think Embiid is starting, like, with the run that he's been on where he's, like, just been dominant. I think he's solidifying himself as the second-best player in the NBA. Agreed. So, from there, it's just, like, you got to pick who. It's really just, like, who do you think is a a personal pick for the rest of the other ones? Yeah. And then, like I said, I think Giannis is clearly top five, at worst top three. And then I would put Shea up there, and I think I'd agree with you with Ant. But, I mean, shit, Tyrese Halliburton has had a great year. But do I think he deserves top five? No. Top ten for sure, though. But yeah, just like Luka. Like, Luka's had a great, a great year. Yeah. But, like, a part of the reason why I put – like, the players that, in my opinion, are top five is they do great things, and their team also has, went like, is winning success. Yeah. So, look at it. The, like, the Timberwolves, yes, we put Annie at five, but, like, they have the best record in the West. Yeah. Like, Shea, he, he has his team in a great position. Yeah. Like, Luka is kind of like There's, middle of the pack. Yeah, because right now uh, the Thunder are 20-9. and nine. They're third in the conference. And the Mavericks are 18-14. and 14. They're sixth. So, yeah. yeah. Like, they've been, and I know, like, Kyrie's been out and things of that nature, but, like, that just personally, like, this one, I, when I think of, like, the best players, it's like, they're – they elevate their teams to higher standards. Yeah. Like, if, being completely honest, if Ja was able to play the whole season, I would argue that Ja probably would be in the top five. Yeah. Because we see when he's on the court, what the Grizzlies look like versus when he's not on the court. Yeah. I mean, if we were giving out MVP awards solely on being valuable, this past week, has shown the value of John Morant to the Grizzlies. So, yeah, I would agree with you on that. All right, let's make some game picks. Uh, Starting things off with tonight's game between the New York Knicks and Orlando Magic, which should be a fun one. I think I'm going to go Knicks. Yeah, I might go Knicks. Brooklyn Nets versus the Washington Wizards. I'm going Nets. Nets. Milwaukee Bucks versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to pick the Bucks, but I don't think that Spider's playing, so I, they should win handily. Bucks. Uh, Sacramento Kings versus the Atlanta Hawks. I'm going Kings. Kings. Toronto Raptors versus the Boston Celtics. I'm going Celtics, even though low-key, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost after getting scared by the Pistons last night. Celtics. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers versus the Houston Rockets. I got Sixers, even without Joel. Away. I'm going to go Rockets. 
Oklahoma City Thunder being hosted by the Denver Nuggets. I'm going Nuggets. Nuggets. Charlotte Hornets versus the Phoenix Suns. I got Suns. I'm very excited to see Bradley Beal back, even if he only plays like 10 minutes. Uh, San Antonio Spurs versus the Portland Trailblazers. I'm going to go Trailblazers and Scoot. If you want to show why the rookie race is open, this is your game to do it. I think I'm going to go Spurs. And then last but not least, Memphis Grizzlies. Is John playing tonight? That's really what I think it is. I don't think he was actually sick. I think it was a back-to-back, and they had to decide which game that they think they might be better be able to win. Okay. I, I I don't know if it's true. That's just what I personally feel. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they got Clippers. Sorry, I forgot to say that. Uh, I probably still got Clippers though. Yeah, I do too. But I don't mind being wrong. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content. Written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Pre-subs of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Obviously, go Tigers, go Tigers. They're currently up in their bowl game. Go Grizz. Speaking of the Spurs, this is, remember how me and you talked about this off air about coaches being stubborn mm-hmm. and things that they like doing things they need to change. Mm-hmm. Coach Pop is doing one thing that I also think that they need to change. Not having Jeremy so chain as their point? Yes. They need to put <laughs> Trey Jones back at point. Yeah. You would think. Because they have, the thing is, like, at least from a starting five standpoint, they can have a good starting five. Because Wimby will be a center. Keldon Johnson can be your power forward or small forward, depending. Devin LaSalle could be a two. And you could put whoever you want at the three. Like, that's, it's not like a championship winning starting five. But obviously. it's solid. But it's a solid starting five. But you have Jeremy Shohan out there. And the thing is, it's like, because I've seen a couple, I haven't watched games, but I've seen like a couple plays. Because like, and like, People miss Wimby on so many opportunities to get easy baskets because all you got to do is just throw it to the rim. Right, and he'll do the and rest. Like, and, like, I think it was this past game, like, I watched the because Wimby put up 30, and I watched the highlights, and, like, a lot of his highlights came from Trey Jones just throwing him lobs. Yeah. And it's like, bro, just, just put the actual point guard in and let him run the team. If only it was that simple. I agree with you completely. I wonder how long Coach Pop is going to stick with that because he is stubborn. I just hope he doesn't stick with it the whole season. You would think that he would try to make a change, but time will tell on that one. Um, Oh, wrestling fans, the full uh 2023 WWE Awards will be coming out tomorrow. Me and Embryo talk about a lot of categories. So be on the lookout for that. That was that was a lot of fun. We're getting a recount this past year of wrestling because in talking about it, it remind me of a whole bunch of stuff that I forgot about. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, Ravens, y'all know what it is, handle business. Uh LSU, let's handle business on Monday. Oh, speaking of Monday, college football playoffs start. It's gonna be Bama versus Michigan, Texas versus Washington. Who do you think wins the national championship this year? All right, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll say that. Who do you think wins on Monday? Between, let's start off with Bama and Michigan. Who you got? Bama. 
don't say it like that. I I feel okay. like I feel like they're gonna win, but I don't want them to. I don't want them to. But the thing with Michigan is Michigan's whole strategy this whole season has been like, oh, we're gonna line it up, we're gonna be bigger, stronger, and better than you. You're not doing it with the SEC team. No, especially yeah. not Bama. So yeah. like, yeah, Bama has this, and the Texas Washington matchup is hard because. Texas defense is legit. Uh, is Queen Euros playing? Yes. I think I'm going to go Texas. I'm going to go. I'm saying this hoping to convince myself. I'm going Michigan. I think it's going to be like one of them ugly games, though. Like, it would not shock me if this was, like, a 17-13 game. Like, I'm not expecting – I'll say it like this. Either it's going to be, like, an ugly defensive game or Bama's going to run away with it. I don't think there's much in between. And then um, Washington and Texas, I think that's going to be a game where it's going to be a bit of a shootout. And between the two, I think that Michael Penix is a better quarterback and he has more weapons. And I think that's going to be what gets them the win. So I think I think it's going to be Washington and Michigan in the championship. Hopefully I'm right, or at least Bama's not there. Everything else I can deal with. Um, but again, thank y'all so much for listening, and we will see you all next year.